there. This is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. Today I'm starting a new topic. I'm going to be looking at the fruits of the Spirit. Now this will take a, probably about uh, 10 weeks to, to cover as there are about nine fruits of the Spirit. But in overview today, what I want to do is I want to just overview what this is all about. Now, when you think about fruit, when you plant a fruit tree, it doesn't yield fruit overnight. It can take many years before fruit develops. And it's the same with Christians. You can't expect to develop the fruits of the Spirit overnight. It takes time, it takes practice, it takes patience, and it takes learning to find and to develop the fruits of the Spirit. So my objective today is to, firstly, to introduce this topic that will cover each of the fruits of the Spirit in the coming weeks in more detail. Today we're going to learn what the fruits of the Spirit are, to show why it's important to develop the fruits of the Spirit, and to understand how they may be prevented from growing. So the first scripture I want to look at is defining what the fruits of the Spirit are. So I'm going over into Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 25, and it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now, these are the fruits of the Spirit. It's the application of these fruits that will overcome the passions of the flesh. And that last verse where it says, if we live by the Spirit, and we do live by the Spirit because we have entered into the kingdom of God, and if we live by the Spirit, then we also need to walk by the Spirit. And it's when we walk by the Spirit that we develop these fruits of the Spirit. It's by walking in the Spirit that we learn how to develop the fruits of the Spirit. And we learn how to develop all of those things because it's the Holy Spirit working in us that actually creates these fruits. It creates the fruits of love or or allows us to bear the fruits of love and of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So when we are walking in the Spirit, we can exhibit these things because the Holy Spirit is teaching us how to do these things uh, over the course of time. The next scripture I want to have a look at is over in Luke chapter 13, and I'm looking at verses 7 to 9. And he said to the vine dresser, Lo, these three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Let it alone, sir, this year also, till I dig about it and put on manure. And if it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Now, this is an important teaching because what this tells us is Jesus is talking here when he's saying these three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree. He's come to the Christian. The Christian is the fig tree. And he said, by this time, after these three years, I should be expecting to find fruit on this uh, on this tree. Now, the first thing we have to understand, or actually there's a couple of things we need to understand. It, it's He's talking about three years here, but in reality, it can take anything from five to seven years if you plant a fig tree before it actually bears fruit, or it might be three to five years, whatever. Anyway, let's, let's say on average it's about five years before you can expect to actually see any fruit. Now, one of the things, and we've got to understand that Jesus was talking to Jews, and Jews understood Uh, these things a little differently to what we did. And under Jewish law, it was said that uh, they had to leave 
the fruit for the first two years. They weren't permitted to take the fruit off the tree for the first two years because the first fruits actually were allowed to drop. The second fruits, and there was a reason for it, and off the top of my head, I just can't recall it. I was only reading this the other day. But it was only after the third year of it fruiting that they could then take the fruit off the tree. Now, that's an important thing, because if it takes, let's say, five years before it begins to fruit, and then they've got three years of fruit before they can actually take one, well, you're talking about eight years. Now, if it takes eight years, and it could be as much as 10 years, before they could expect to actually get some fruit that they can actually take off the tree, then this is what the Lord's talking about here. When you read that scripture, he says, these three years, so there was an expectation there should have been fruit there, I've come seeking fruit in this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down, why should it use up the ground? But the, uh, the vine dresser answered, saying, let it alone. Let it alone for this year, and I'll dig about it and I'll put on manure. Now, for a Christian, what this means is he's going to allow the Holy Spirit to work with this Christian. He's going to teach them some things. He's going to bring them into places where they can learn and they can experience, and perhaps then they can understand the need for the fruit and begin to actually bear the fruit and show the fruit. And this could take up to eight to ten years. And that's what I said. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes some time because we have to learn about the Spirit. We have to learn how to walk in the Spirit, and we have to understand that it's not until we begin to walk in the spirit that we actually come into the place where the fruit can develop and where we can mature where the fruit can be mature in the christian so this is important and and, and what we can take out of this is the lord doesn't give up on us easily you know it may we may feel like uh, the lord's left us but it's at least eight to ten years before he would expect us to be able to bear useful fruit so the next scripture I want to have a look at is over in Matthew chapter 3, and I'm reading verses 7 to 10. It says this, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit that befits repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, this was an important scripture speaking to the Jews. And this was John the Baptist who was saying these words. We are called to repent. When we come to Christ, we're called to repent. John the Baptist taught a baptism of repentance. But we are called to repent. And then we are called to bear the fruits of repentance. The fruit of repentance is all about change. Repentance is about change. The actual word in Greek is metanoia, and it means to change your thinking. So this is what the fruits of repentance are. It's about changing your thinking and therefore changing your behaviours. And there's no stopping. We have to keep up the walk. We can't say that because we are Christians, and if we look at this scripture here, they were saying, do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. So they're saying, oh, well, we're okay because we're the children of Abraham. We are the sons of Israel. And we're in the same boat. We can't say, because we have accepted Christ, we'll be saved. As the Bible shows, there will be many Christians who miss out and are rejected. And as we grow in the fruits of the Spirit, and the fruits of the Spirit will be built in us and will be developed in us and come into maturity, then we will come to the place where we are bearing the fruits of repentance also. I want to go on from there over into Matthew chapter 7. 
uh, is the next scripture I want to look at. And I'm reading from verses 15 through to verse 23. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? So every sound tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears evil fruit. A sound tree cannot bear evil fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Now what we see in this scripture is we see that uh, that point that I mentioned earlier, not everyone who calls himself a Christian is going to enter into God's kingdom. Not all of them will be saved. And some of these people, and he's talking to Christians here, and he's saying not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on in verse 22 where he says, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? Well, there are a lot of Christians who have done these things. They have prophesied, they have cast out demons, and they have done mighty works in the name of the Lord. But these are not the things that are going to commend us to God. These are not the things that are going to bring us into the place where we can receive the salvation of the Lord. The thing that we need to do is we need to understand the Lord and follow his teachings in faith. It's faith that will lead us to salvation. And then as we do, and if we go into the first bit of that scripture from verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. And he goes on and says, you will know them by their fruits. Now, this is important. The fruits of the Spirit, as we saw before in Galatians 5, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, if you see someone who is reputed to be a, a prophet or a minister or a preacher or a pastor or whatever you want to call them, and people are looking to them, but if you see that they are not showing these fruits, and it says you will know them by their fruits. If they are not gentle, if they are not under self-control, if they are not showing love, if they appear to be in it for themselves or for power or for something like that, then they are not showing the fruits of the Spirit. And even though they may call themselves Christians and presume to be Christians, and people may look at them and say, oh, what a wonderful example of Christianity, these people are not Christians. And as it says there at the end of that section I read, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who claims to be a Christian will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. So we need to be aware of this because false teachers will show bad fruits, but a good person will bear the fruits of the Spirit. And some who appear to be Christians will be rejected, even though they may have done mighty things, because they didn't bring forth the fruits of the spirit and bearing fruit is important as the fruit is the outcropping of what's inside of the person the body does what the mind tells it to and so the fruit of a person shows what is in their hearts and minds the next scripture i want to go into is luke chapter 6 and i'm reading from verses 43 through to 49 for no good tree bears bad fruit nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil man out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. 
Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation upon rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But he who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation against which the stream broke and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Here we see that a good person will not bear bad fruit and vice versa, a bad person cannot bear good fruit. As it says in the first verse, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. But the important point that we see in that comes in verse 45, where it says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, what the mouth is speaking is the fruit that's being shown. And it's out of the abundance of the heart. It's what's in a person's heart that is determining what is being spoken, what is being said. So you see this fruit, and the fruit of what's being spoken is coming from the heart and the soul of the person, the heart, mind, and soul of the person. And if they are evil inside, even though they might try and hide it behind a mask on the outside, if they're evil inside, it will show. A good person will not bear bad fruit, and vice versa. A person will be known by their fruit. That's their actions or their behaviours or their words, because those are the things that are driven by what's in their heart. This is the abundance of their heart. And we will grow our fruit and become strong in the Lord by hearing and doing what he says in his words. The next scripture is over in Matthew chapter 13, and I'm reading from verse 22 to verse 23. As for what was sown among thorns, this is he who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the delight in riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is he who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit, and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Now these scriptures come from the parable of the sower. We know that the sower sowed the seed, Jesus was the sower, he sowed the seed which was the gospel of truth. But what we see here in two of these, he talks about what was sown amongst the thorns. Now what I'm concerned about here is the fruit that should be maturing in a Christian can get strangled and it can get destroyed. And he's saying, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is he who hears the word. So they got the seed, the seed was planted, it started to sprout. But then we see the cares of the world and the delight in riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So even though they'd heard the word and it started to come up in them, they were focused on other things. They had other priorities in their life. They looked for riches. They looked for all of the cares and the pleasures and the delights of this world and chose to ignore or ultimately to reject the truth of the gospel. And so their fruit was stunted and eventually it was choked up and it would have strangled, been strangled and died. Your fruit can be choked out of you if you allow the things of the world to take hold. Striving for the pleasures of this world will stifle the production and the growth of the fruits of the Spirit. But as it said in that last scripture, those who hear and who understand and take the words of the Lord to heart, they bear much fruit. The next scripture is in John chapter 15, and I'm reading from verses 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. 
You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now what we see here in John 15 is, we bear fruit by abiding in Christ. If we don't abide in him, we'll be taken away and cut off from Christ. And if we don't abide in Christ, we can't bear the fruit. We cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit if we don't have the Spirit. We can't bear the fruit of the Spirit if we are not abiding in Christ. We need to remain in his word. And if we don't, we'll be cut off. As it says there, every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, this is interesting because we read before that he's not going to do this straight away. It's not like you're going to come to the Lord and if you don't bear any fruit in the first few months, boom, you're gone. This is not like a game of baseball or cricket or something like, you know, where um, three strikes and you're out or you um, you can get caught out or, or whatever. This is not like that. This is not a quick process. When we come to the Lord, he gives us time, as we read in the scripture previously, about the fig tree. And it could take eight to ten years or something like that before he can actually even expect to find fruit. It may take that much time because it takes time to learn these things. So when we abide in Christ, we bear fruit. And if we don't abide in him, we'll be taken away and cut off from Christ. And the other important point there is every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Now, pruning... When you prune a fruit tree, you're cutting off the little bits and pieces that grow on it so that the goodness of the tree, the goodness that comes up into the tree and the food that comes up into the tree through uh, watering and through the sun and, and uh, through the nutrients in the soil can get to the branches where they will bear more fruit. Pruning allows the tree to bear more fruit because the goodness isn't being spread into small branches to try and get them to grow and leaves and things that aren't going to actually generate any fruit, it allows the fruit to, or it allows the goodness to come up and actually feed the fruit. And so you actually get more fruit. And that's the reason why branches on fruit trees are pruned. And it's the same with Christians. He will cut out all the little bits that are not necessary so that we can focus on the things that are important. So that when we're pruned, and we will be pruned, we'll be tested and we'll be disciplined. And these are the types of things that will happen in the pruning so that we can bear even more fruit and so grow into maturity in Jesus Christ. Now, the next scripture I want to look at is in Romans chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. Do you not know, brethren, from speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only during his life? Thus, a married woman is bound by law to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is discharged from the law concerning the husband. Accordingly, she'll be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brethren, you have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. 
While we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are discharged from the law, dead to that which held us captive, so that we serve not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. This is an interesting section of Scripture. What he's actually talking about here is the need for Christians to be discharged from the law. And by law, we're talking about the, the Mosaic law. And he's saying here that you need to be released from this law. You need to be set free from the law. Just as we are also set free from sin in Jesus Christ, we are set free from the law. And he explains in the first few verses there of Romans 7 how this happens. He aligns it to like the laws of marriage. If a woman is married to a man and then she goes off and leaves him and goes and lives with another man, then she's an adulteress. But if the man dies, her husband dies, then she can go off and she can marry anyone else. And she's not an adulteress because she is no longer bound by the law of marriage. She's set free to be able to be married to whoever she likes. And this is the same with, with the two covenants. In Jesus Christ, when Jesus died and we took on his death as our own, then we died to the old covenant to be married, and I say that in inverted commas, to be married to the new covenant in Jesus Christ. And that's what it is. In Christ, we've been set free from sin and we've been set free from the law. And he set us free so that we would not be under the power of sin. And the law is the power of sin, as it tells us in Corinthians. But we instead would be under the power of God's grace. And it's by being set free from the law through the death of Christ that we receive by baptism that we're able to bear the fruits of the Spirit. Because the law no longer taunts us and causes the passions of the flesh to rise up and lead to sin. Now, if you've got children, and if you ever say to them, don't do this, what's the first thing they want to do? Whatever you tell them not to do. And that's what the law does to us. It does to all mankind. When the law says, thou shalt not do something, then that causes the passions in our flesh to well up, to want to do it. And we have to be able to fight that. We have to be able to stand against those passions. Fortunately, in the Lord, uh, we've been set free from the law, but we also have the Holy Spirit to be able to help us to overcome the passions of the flesh through walking in the Spirit. And therefore, the extension of that is we then develop the fruits of the Spirit. So when these passions are overcome, then we can bear the fruits of the Spirit in Jesus Christ. The next scripture I'm looking at is in Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm reading from verses 6 to 13. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not associate with them. For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is a shame even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. The fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of all that are good are in Jesus Christ, and Jesus is the light. We need to seek out the light and not be entangled in the darkness, because the darkness leads to unfruitful things. And there is much darkness of false teaching and lies and hypocrisy in the church today. And that's what he's talking about here. Don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. 
there are empty words in the church today, in the broad church. I'm not saying they're everywhere, but there are places where there are empty words and there is hypocrisy and there is false teaching and there are people who want to take power over you. There are people who are teaching things that have no basis whatsoever in the gospel. They have no basis whatsoever in the Bible. They are false teachings and they are lies and they are designed to take you away from the truth. But all Christians... All Christians need to seek the light of the truth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's how we will overcome, by seeking the light. Now, the last scripture that I want to look at is in James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good life, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This wisdom is not such as comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, without uncertainty or insincerity. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So what he's showing here in James 3, verses 13 to 18, is that the wisdom that comes from God is full of the fruits of righteousness. But the wisdom of this world, and sadly in many places, it has contaminated the church with things like the prosperity gospel, uh, is evil and is not of God. These things are not of God. And he's talking here about uh, people who have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And unfortunately, there are some in the church who use the church for these reasons. They use it because they have selfish ambition. They want to be someone. They want to be in a position of power and they see the church as a place to do it. That's not the way that Jesus taught. And in fact, if you recall any of the, uh, or many of the, the miracles that Jesus did, many times he said to the person, don't tell anyone. He wasn't about trying to blow his own trumpet. He wasn't about trying to be something spectacular. But of course, the works that he performed meant that he was going to be discovered and he was going to be found anyway, whether people said anything or not. And so what we see here is the wisdom, and we're talking about wisdom here in James 3, the wisdom that comes from God is full of the fruits of righteousness and the wisdom of this world, sadly, in many cases, is not. So here's a couple of things to think about. Are you able to see how the fruits of the Spirit are formed and what you need to do to grow in them? And secondly, the fruits of the Spirit are gained and grow by learning to walk in the Spirit. Now, I've touched briefly on this in this session, but if you don't know what this is, well, then contact me. You can send me an email at john at freegiftfromgod.com and ask any questions about walking in the Spirit or anything else for that matter too. Just a prayer point. Spend a few moments now to ask the Lord to show you the path to find and exhibit the fruits of the Spirit in your life. That's it for this session. Next time, we're going to begin a study on each of the individual nine fruits that were identified in Galatians chapter 5. So this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off, and I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a blessed week, and may the Lord be with you in all that you do.